freedom from negative emotions. We know that negative emotions exist. But where do these negative emotions come from? They come from wrong, they come from wrong thought patterns, from wrong thoughts. And where do these wrong thoughts come from that produce these negative emotions? They come from the devil. <laughs> it comes from that same devil that says, had God said, to try to move us into a place to doubt the word of God and to move us into a place where our thinking is controlled by what it looks like, by what it feels like, to bring us into a place of carnal thinking where we are functioning from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as opposed to the tree of life. And thereby he brings us in, thereby he's able to stir up these negative emotions with his intent to move us into his agenda. You see, information has a voice. And information can come from many sources. It can come from everywhere. It can come from people. It can come from friends. It can come from, some, from workmates. It can come from associates. The opinions of men, it can come from your history. Your history can have a voice. It can come from the experiences of, of your life, whether they be good or bad, whether they be success or failure. They can come from the media with all of the, um, what do you call it these days, um, conspiracy theories. <laughs> they can even come from Siri with her information from time to time. They can come from the economy. All of these voices coming at us, weather reports. And if you receive the information that comes from these voices, and you don't, you don't dissect them, you don't discern them, you don't scrutinize them, and you just receive them as truth and as reality, and you meditate on them, and you let them grow and, 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 and ferment, and you let them produce in your mind, they can produce negative emotions. They can produce anxiety. They could, the enemy will use it to build up strongholds and imaginations and high-minded things in you, in your thinking. That is why they say the battle is in your mind. These information that comes from wherever, if you just gather them and receive them and you don't check it out, you don't discern, you don't dissect them, you don't recognize them, what they really are, you don't scrutinize them. Man, they can produce fears and frustrations and discouragement and disappointment. It can even move you to a place of despair and hopelessness. It can cause you to be stressed out, even depressed. And the devil loves to move in and take advantage of you, take advantage of the depression and move you to a place where of oppression, guilt, condemnation, shame. And the list just pretty well goes on. Feelings of rejection and unworthiness. It's like there is a smorgasbord of negative emotions that are available. But these emotions are born out of wrong thought processes. They come from where? Information. Information that is not according to the word of God. And if you digest it, 
They can come to the place where it, they rule you. And those emotions can rule you. That is the reason why the word of God, God warns us. And he says you are to guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That is why the word of God is given unto us so that we can discern. Amen. Jesus says, you know, don't take the thought and say it. Don't take that negative thought. And, and by all means, don't take it and say it. You see, when you, when you say it, when you speak that negative thought, what am I going to do? What is going to happen? It's going to get worse before it gets better. When you do that, you take that thought and you sow it into your heart, and now it becomes even stronger. Well, praise God, there is a way of escape. Amen? Jesus is the way of escape. In John chapter 16, reading from verse 33, from the Amplified, it says, I have, I have told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. But in the world, you're going to have tribulation, tests, trials, negative emotions, distress, frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. Because I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of its power to harm you. I have deprived it of its power to bring you underneath its control because I have conquered it and I have conquered it for you. I have conquered all of the negative emotions for you. Amen? Now, why is it that these negative emotions and, and these negative thought processes that lead to negative emotions, why is it that it can rule you? The, the scripture says, in um, Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says to be carnally minded is death. To be carnally minded is death. It is misery. To be carnally minded is, is what? What does that mean? It is to be ruled by, by the senses, by the information that comes from the senses. And that can, that can bring you into a place where you become trapped. You become trapped in this realm of the senses. Amen? Life can be, if you let it, and if you just go along with the tide, and you don't learn how to operate in the realm of the spirit, life can be a continual pressure of needs, anxiety, challenges, negative feelings, financial pressure, health concerns, relationship pressures. And these things can literally keep you from being free to enjoy life. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that you might have a life that is rich, a life that is enjoyable. But you see, when all these cares, when all these things come, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What about the finances? What about this? This pain, the discomfort, you know, the children, the family, all of these issues what happened? Jesus calls it in Mark chapter 4 and verse 19, he calls it the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things that come to do what? To choke you, to choke the word, to stop the word from producing in your life, to move you into a place of unbelief, into a place of doubt, into a place of offense, even to the point where you are offended to move you to a place of resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness and impatience. You see, the, the thing is this. Negative emotions 
are harmful because they produce such doubt and such unbelief that short circuits your faith and your faith is the very means by which you as the righteousness of God is the means by which you live. It is the means by which you breed. It is the means by which you function in Christ. It is the means by which you take a hold of the inheritance and the good things that Jesus Christ has died for you to have. And negative emotions can stop that because of its, uh, the unbelief that it brings. And it chokes the word. It strangles your faith. And that whole process can wear you out. Sometimes, you know, I don't know if you've ever been there, where, 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 where emotions, negative emotions can wear you out. It can literally tire you. You know, and that is the very plot and the scheme of the enemy. The scripture says in, in Daniel 7 verse 25 that he speak words against the most high God. He tried to feed doubt and unbelief and lies and deceptions. And, and he does it in a bombarding, continuous way. Why? So as to weary out the saints. To weary out the saints. Had God said, this is not happening. And you see, the scripture says that you cannot, that when you, when you become weary, you faint. You could be in the midst of harvest, but when you're weary, you're faint, and when you're faint, you can't reap. So that is the plot, that is the scheme of the enemy. But you see, there are, thank God, there are practical ways by which we can escape the cares of this world. There are practical ways by which we can be delivered and set free and live above all the circumstances, all the cares, all of the anxiety. There are practical things that God has given unto us by the wisdom of his word. For instance, you see, the, the, the scripture says about casting all your cares on the Lord. There are a number of scriptures, I like to call them committal prayers. First Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says, don't carry all these cares around. Take them, cast them on the Lord. He cares for you. Psalms 37 and verse 4, and verse 4 says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust him. He'll bring it to pass. Trust him. Commit it to him. The work of your hands, commit it to the Lord. Hallelujah. Let him, give, give him the opportunity to cause your thoughts to be established. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. Paul says, I am persuaded, I am confident, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I commit unto him against that day. But he can't keep it if you don't commit it. You know, whether it be the future, whether it be the children, whether it be the family, what are you going to do about this? Commit it all, cast it all, give it all to the Lord. Jesus says, come to me, all you that are burdened, all you that are heavily weighed, that are heavily laden, and you are weighed down with do's and do's and do's. He says, come to me, learn of me. He says, I'll give you rest, be yoked together with me. Take my yoke upon you, take my peace, take my joy, take my very life. Hallelujah. You see, God has a wisdom that he has ordained for your glory, for your success, for your joy, for your peace, for your victory. He has ordained a wisdom, a hidden wisdom that was hid from before the foundation of the world, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. 
and it is a wisdom that he has reserved for you so that you can always come out on top and be the head and not the tail. Christ in you is that wisdom of God. Christ in you is the hidden wisdom of God that God has ordained from the foundation of the world. That is why Jesus says in John 16 verse 33, all of these things going on in the world, there is turmoil, there is test, there is trials, there is tribulation, but you can be of good cheer because I have overcome the world and he, Christ in you is your victory. Christ in you is the wisdom that God has ordained to bring you out of every test, trial, situation. Jesus is the way of escape. Jesus is your victory. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, the fact of the matter is, in all of these things that we have to deal with, in all of these, these negative emotions and the other stuff attached to them, there is a, now, now let me say this clearly, there is a, in fact, this was the point that we ended last week, that there is a singular answer that will deliver you from every negative emotion. There is a singular answer that will deliver you from every negative emotion from ruling you. And at the same time, not only will it deliver you from the negative emotions, but it will open unto you a doorway, so to speak, into the peace of God, into the joy of the Lord, and into the very life of Christ. So that the life of Christ, the love of God, the joy of the Lord, and the peace of God, and those positive emotions can dominate you and rule you instead. There is a singular answer to all of that, and it's this. That answer is Jesus' death. Jesus' death that flows out of the sacrifice. Jesus' death, now hear me, is the only, has, Jesus' death is the, has, is the only authority that exists in any realm that can free you from being ruled by the natural life and being ruled by negative emotions. Jesus' death is the only thing that exists that has the authority to bring you into that freedom where you are not ruled by the natural life and you're not ruled by negative emotions. Amen? Now, no disrespect to, to, the, to the psychology, no disrespect to the other programs that, 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 that are used quite often by the world and so on. But, at the very best, they are coping mechanisms. Now, we're going to get into to Jesus' death a, 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 a little bit more and, 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 and dig into that a little bit more later. But Jesus' death is your answer to every, to put an end to negative emotions ruling over you. And I'll tell you why. Let me get, tell you why. The reason why Jesus' death <laughs> is the answer is because you died in his death. That's the reason why. You died in his death. Say that with me. Say, I died in his death. And that frees me from me, my past, people, circumstances, situations, environments, that sets me free indeed. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We're going to come back to that, but let us continue. 
So let's go back again to, to John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said that you can be of good cheer. He said you can be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. In other words, he says, cheer up, rejoice, and be glad. Even though these things are happening in the world, and you are in the world, but you are not of the world. You are in the world, but you are not to be defined by the world. You are in the world, but you are not to suffer the limitations that are in the world, of those that are in the world that don't know God. You are in the world, but you are not to have its misery. You are not to, 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 be, to be infiltrated by, 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 um, by, by, by its confusion, by its, what is the scripture? It says, um, that he's delivered us from the corruption that is in this world. You are to be free from those things, even though you're in the world. And instead, instead of you living the life that comes out of self, you can live the life that comes out of him. And you can, he has overcome the world. And he said, you can be of good cheer. You can rejoice. You can be glad. You can have positive emotions, hope, courage, confidence, Love, joy, peace. You can live, live in a place called rest. You can live in rest and not stress. In other words, then, let's put it plainly. You can be happy. Say, I can be happy. Now, you know, quite frankly, the Beatitudes, I'm going to just flip over there and read it in, in Matthew chapter 5, is about that. The Sermon on the Mount, it is called, it is about that. It is, it is his recipe as to how you can be happy. And he was actually speaking it to men that were not even born again at that time. Matthew chapter 5. Let me just read a few verses from verse 3 to 12. Hallelujah. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. I'm going to read a lot from the Amplified. Blessed, happy, happy to be envied and to be spiritually prosperous. Happy are who? Happy with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation regardless of their outward conditions. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are the humble. Happy are those that are trusting in God. Happy are those whose confidence are not in themselves, but it is in God. Who weigh themselves in themselves as zero, as insignificant, but in God, in him. They esteem themselves totally different because they see themselves in him and he becomes their source, their life, and theirs is the kingdom of God. Happy are those who mourn because they're going to be comforted. Happy are those, happy are the meek. The meek, those that, are, that, that are, have a meek, mild, patient, long-suffering Trusting and depending on God, seeing themselves, emptying themselves, weak in themselves, but seeing him as their strength. Happy are those when you can see that the Lord is the strength of your life. He is your life. He is your salvation. And all that he is, he is in you and through you, which is the very essence of righteousness. Happy are those. Blessed are they, happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Those who are pursuing living in this oneness with God. Those who will freely receive the gift of right standing and the freedom from condemnation and guilt and shame. 
those that will receive the application of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Happy are those who know their sins are forgiven, who knows their name is written in God, the Lamb's book of life, who knows that God is with them, God is in them, and God is working through them, who knows that God is for them. They that are seeking after righteousness. They sh and thirsting after righteousness, they shall be filled. Happy are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Happy are the pure in heart. Happy are the pure in heart. In their heart there is no offense. In their heart there is no unforgiveness. There is no resentment. In their hearts, they're not, I mean, they are not holding judgments and accusations against anyone. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall have the manifestation of God in their lives. For there is nothing within them that is hindering or quenching or, 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 um, or, or, or cutting off the grace of God. The Bible speaks about a root of bitterness that can, that can, that can literally spring up and defile you and separate you from the grace and the flow of the life of God. Well, the pure in heart, oh, those things are not there. Hallelujah. And if you were to think of these here from a do standpoint, what do I do to be happy? And you take each and every one of them and translate them in what action you need to take. You will see it will take you into a place where the joy of the Lord and the peace of God and the positive emotion will be the result. Amen. You know, it's important when you listen to any kind of message, and especially th th this type of teacher, in this teaching perspective, that you ask yourself, so what do I do? What do I need to do to get that result? What actions do I need to take? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for operating in that oneness with God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, happy are you when men revile you and they persecute you with all kinds of evil. For what? For his name's sake. Rejoice. What do you do in the midst of the tests and trials? What do you do when the circumstances are, seem overwhelming? In fact, they're never overwhelming because you are above only. But what do you do when, when, when these things seem to be against you? The scripture says you shall to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. It says rejoice because you believe. Hallelujah. You rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. Receiving the end of your salvation. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. You rejoice in the midst of it all because joy will undergird your faith. You need to know that the trial of your faith worketh patience. You need to know, you need to come to all joy in the midst of whatever happened. Why? Because that joy will keep your faith afloat. And, you, and the scripture says that joy Come get all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that your faith is on trial. And let, your, uh, let, let, let patience have a perfect work. You stay in joy. So no matter what's going on, rejoice. Be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. What do you mean great is your reward in heaven? Great is your reward that comes from that higher realm. Why? Because whenever you do whatever you do as unto the Lord and not as unto men, you shall from the Lord receive the reward of the inheritance. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. 
So no matter what's going on, you see, in this place where it's no longer you, but it's Christ that liveth in you, in this place where death rules and reigns so that you can have his life, what happens is that you no longer live for the will of men, you no longer live for your own will, but you live for the will of God. And whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. Your meat is to do the will of him that sent you. That is the reality of this new life that you have. And when you function in this new life, which is the life of Christ, what happens? Then is when all of the blessings of the Lord begin to be made manifest. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Glory to God. So, praise God forevermore. Jesus' death is the authority, is the very authority that, that opens up the door so that you can be free from negative emotions and that the, and that the life of Christ can dominate you. Hallelujah. So Jesus says, do these things. These, um, Jesus says, be of good cheer. And I'm just injecting here the Beatitudes. Hallelujah. Can you have emotional freedom? Is it possible? Can you be happy? Can you have the peace and the joy of the Lord? Yes, say yes, we can. <laughs> Why? Jesus says, because he has overcome. He has overcome. What does that mean? It means that he defeated the enemy. He defeated every enemy. Negative emotions is an enemy. He defeated every negative emotion that you could ever have. He defeated every negative emotion for you, even the emotion of loneliness. Now, don't be offended when I say that. I don't know where, where, where you might be there, folks. You, where, you might, that might be your experience. But I'm telling you, the word of God says, he says, that when, he says that he has defeated every negative emotion. And loneliness could be a very invasive and a, a very oppressing feeling, so to speak. But then you see, when you begin, when the life of Christ begins to rise up and you can function in that life, then the, the presence of the Lord becomes real. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. He says his name is, he is not just the savior. He is not just the healer. He is not just the deliverer. He is, he, he is the provider of every need, but he is also Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. And they that know his name will put their trust in him, even in the midst of loneliness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He has overcome. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Now check this out for a moment. Jesus is on the cross. There is blood there is, there is a crown of thorns that, that pierces his, his brow, and, and, and there, is, there is spit running off of his beard. There is pain. I mean, he was going to be poked with a sword. There is I mean, there is pain. There is, there is blood. There is sweat. There is, people are mocking him. He, he, he's been betrayed. He is misunderstood. But in the midst of it all, for the joy that was set before him, what could be more testy than what he's going through? But yet, in the midst of it all, for the joy that was set before him, he was seeing that joy. 
for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. Shameful and as horrific as it was, it was small in comparison with the joy that was set before him. The scripture says in Hebrews 1 verse 9, let's dare to believe it, that God the Father anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. It says how the God the Father anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness, with the oil of joy above your companions, above anyone that you may ever know, have ever known. Jesus had been anointed with the oil of joy and gladness above anyone else. And now God says to you and to me that no matter what you may be going through or may ever go through, he says in Isaiah 61 verse 3 that he has anointed you he anointed those of you that may mourn with the oil of joy. He gives you beauty for ashes. There's an oil of joy for mourning for you. There is a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. No matter what you may face. So what should you do when there is discouragement in the face of tests? In the face of trials. Well, Hebrews 12, verse 2 and 3 says, look to Jesus. Look at him. Look what he went through. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured it. And he says, and it says, you have not yet resisted whatever it is you're dealing with to the point where you're bleeding. You have not resisted it to that point. But it says, look to him. Because if you look to the circumstances, if you look to the environment, if you look to their pain, if you look to, to that kind of stuff, it will discourage you. It will weary you. It will burden you down, and you will faint. But lift up your eyes and look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, because when you look to him, he lifts you up above all of that situation. And then what happened? Then you don't faint, you receive strength, and that joy is able to rise up even in the midst of the storm. So the scripture says in James 1 verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Knowing this, that the trial of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work so that you will be entire wanting nothing. When you can keep your faith on the line and not let your faith fail, your faith fail by, by undergirding it with joy, and then you can stay in that place, which means you now have faith, and you have patience. The scripture says through faith and patience, you obtain the promise. Hebrews 6 verse 12. So let patience have a perfect work. But how does it, where does it all begin? Count it all joy. Say the joy of the Lord is my strength. It keeps you from fainting. So let's examine, um, let's examine John 16, 20, 33 a little bit more. What is the answer? that shuts down the negative emotions and at the same time open up the door for the positive emotions, peace and joy and hope and life that flows from Christ. In this very verse of John 16 verse 33, there are three answers to that question. There are three answers in that question that indicates exactly how you can be free from the negative emotions that are in the world and how you can have the peace of God 
and the positive emotions, three answers are in that verse. Number one, it says, Jesus says, these things have I spoken unto you while I was in the world, that in me you might have peace. So it's going to be the word of God. And then he says, that in me you might have peace. But in the world you're going to have tribulation, burdens, stress, and all that kind of stuff. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. How has he overcome the world? By his sacrifice. So the second answer is the sacrifice of Christ. And then he says, I have overcome the world. Who has overcome the world? Christ himself has overcome the world. So the third answer is Christ himself. So the word of God, the application of the word of God that he has spoken, the application of the sacrifice of Christ, particularly the death aspect, and then the reality and the application of Christ living in you and functioning out of him and out of his nature, him living in you and through you, between, between those three things, what will happen? You can be free from negative emotions and you can have the positive emotions that flows from the very life of Christ as your own experience. Amen? So let's look at it a bit. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Blessed be the name of the Lord. First, the word of God. Going back to Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says to be carnally minded is what? Death, misery. But to be spiritually minded is peace and life. You see, that carnal mindedness, walking by the senses, walking by appearances, walking by the reasoning of men, that leads to death. That leads to separation from God. That leads to a life of misery. But, say but. This is a good but. Amen? To be spiritually minded is what? Is life and peace. To be spiritually minded is life, the very life of God and peace. Well, John 6 verse 63, Jesus says, The words that I speak unto you, those words are spirit and they are life. So to be spiritually minded, to be ruled by the word of God is life and it is peace. What life? Jesus says, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. What life? The very life of God. The very life of Christ. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 5 and I think verse 11 and 12, this is the record that God has given unto us eternal life and that life is in his son. When you have believed on the Lord Jesus, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence. 1 John 5, 13 and 14. You have eternal life when you believe on Jesus. That life is in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, to be spiritually minded activates that life and it activates that peace. The life of God. Think about this. <laughs> the life of God is the presence of God. Does that make sense? Where his life is, and where his life is in dominion, where his life is very evident, very present, amplified, if you can amplify his life, would you not say the presence of God is there? Well, the scripture says in Psalm 16, verse 11, that in his presence there is fullness of joy. 
Now, in, in one of the future lessons, when we start looking at, here are several different practical things you can do. One of those things is going to come from Psalms, Isaiah 56, and I believe verse 7, that says, God says, I'll make you joyful in my presence. I will make you joyful in the house of prayer. When you learn to function in that arena of prayer and communication with God, when you learn to function in that arena of the presence of God, in his presence there is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So to be spiritually minded is life and it is joy. The life of God is also the place where the kingdom of God rules, where the kingdom of God reigns. Do you not believe God reigns in his own life? Come on. <laughs> but what is the kingdom of God? It's the reign of God. It's the dominion of God. It is the sphere or atmosphere that he absolutely dominates. So guess what? When you have the life of God, you also have the kingdom of God ruling, reigning, and if the, and the scripture says in, in Luke 17, 21, that um, the kingdom of God is where? It is in you. That's because God is in you. That's because the life of God is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. And guess what? Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, that kingdom is righteousness. That's oneness with God. That's the authority of God. That's the rights and privileges that are yours as a child of God. The righteousness of God. That's where all the promises are yes, amen, and absolute certainty. In the kingdom of God is righteousness. It is peace where everything is reconciled to God's original intent. So that no matter what goes on, there is a peace of God that passes all understanding that can keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. God says, look, you set your mind upon me. You set, he says, I will keep those who will set their mind upon me that keep looking on to Jesus. I will keep you in perfect peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness. It is peace. It is joy in the Holy Ghost. It is a supernatural divine joy so that no matter what's going on, you, you can see the end. You can see the victory. You can see the outcome. You can see the harvest. And there is a joy that comes from the revelation of that harvest. There is a joy that comes when you know what is finished. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now that kingdom of God that is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. And it says here now, the word of God, which is spirit and which is life, when you set your affections on the things which are above, on the word of the living God, and you allow that word to permeate your thinking, then what happened? Here comes life. Here comes peace. Here comes the kingdom of God. Here comes righteousness. Here comes joy. Here comes peace in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This, it says, Isaiah 32 verse 17 that the effect of that righteousness is peace. The effect of righteousness is confidence. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Proverbs 28 verse 1. Hallelujah. Confidence. Say confidence. I mean, listen to, listen to what you want to hear an awesome truth. The, oh, here is an awesome truth when you are born again and you are a child of God. Now, this doesn't apply for the one that is not born again. The one that is not born again is not one with God. The one that is not born again don't have the kingdom of God that is in him. And therefore, we can't have all these things that connect up with the, with the righteousness. But for you who are born again, here is an awesome truth. You are 
you, me, us. We are God-carrying vessels that are fully loaded with God. Say, I'm fully loaded with God. Put your hand on your stomach here. Say, I carry God around. I am his sanctuary. I am his house. I am his vessel. And I am fully loaded with God. The fullness of the Godhead. Say that with me. The fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in Christ. And Christ is in me. So the fullness of the Godhead that is in Christ is in me. Say this with me. I am a partaker of God's divine nature. I am an associate of the divine nature of God. I am an associate of the Godhead. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Is that what the Word of God teaches? All right. Now let these things permeate your thinking. You see, this righteousness is a knowing. It is a believing. It is a knowing and believing the love of God. Jesus said, it said in 1 John 4, 16, they that, that we shall know and believe the love of God. And when you know and believe that love of God, and when you can recognize that God so loved you, and that love is made perfect in you by Christ being in you, by the Holy Ghost shed abroad in your heart. Why? Why? The love of God is made perfect so that you can have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as Jesus is, so are you in this world. That's all flowing out of righteousness. And when that love is perfected in your heart and you know that he loves you, you know that he's eager and earnestly desire to bring fulfillment to his promises in your life and to do you good, then guess what? It drives out and it flushes out all fear. It destroys anxiety. And peace rules. Confidence rules. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, God says, say God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So what should you say? If God says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, then you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my strength. I will not fear what man can do unto me. You can say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper because God is for me. My righteousness is of him. I am established in this righteousness. I'm established in this oneness. I am far from oppression because I shall not fear. But you got to say, you see, in all of this, these truths become Ben, just like Jesus says, don't take that negative thought and say it. Well, you better take the positive thought and say it. Because when you take, when you say it, is when you own it. When you say it, is when you release your faith to cause it to be made manifest. It is a faith that by faith that you access whatever the grace of God that is available is. Amen? So you got to say these things. The kingdom is peace. The kingdom is joy. And God has promised. Listen to this promise. Listen to this promise. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. You know, they used to say, there was a Guyanese saying that says, um, 
put this feather, put this feather in your cup and something, something. Anyway, forget that. Here's the word of God. Romans 15, verse 17. The God of all hope fills you, fills you, fills you with all joy and peace in believing. The believing is your part. That you might abound in hope, abound in hope, abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. Receive that. Believe that. Declare the God of all hope. He is continually filling me with all joy and peace in believing I believe. So that I am able to continually abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. Talk like that. It is with your mouth confession is made unto salvation. A man has joy by the answer of his lips. Christianity is a great confession. It, it, says, it says in um, Hebrews 13 and verse 1, Consider him, the apostle and the high... No, Hebrews 3 verse 1, I'm sorry. Consider him, the apostle and the high priest of your confession. Consider him. Copy him. Well, I'm telling you, Jesus spoke. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Jesus said, "Is the Father is within me, do it the work. Listen to the things that Jesus said. Jesus, Jesus said in Luke 24, verse 44, that the reason why I speak these things that are recorded in the book of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms and in the prophets, the reason I speak these things is so that they might be fulfilled. In other words, when you speak the word of God, when you say these things, you are releasing the power of God so that they could be fulfilled. This is how it works. It's not you being arrogant or braggadocious. You are only agreeing with the word of God. You are taking the side of God's word as opposed to the circumstances, the environment, and the feelings. Amen? This is how it works. The kingdom of God. Look at these. I mean, look at how wonderful this is. There is peace. There is joy. There is confidence. There is hope. You know that God, there is the love of God. There is the security. Oh, how positive does it get? And the word of God, the word of God, the word of God, these things have I spoken unto you. The word of God is what brings it. Is the vehicle. You see, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God has power to penetrate to depths and to dimensions and places within your soul, into the places within your mind and your emotions. It is able to get in there, penetrate, scrutinize, cut out, remove, and plant heaven into your soul. That is why it says in, in um, James chapter 1, verse 21, that the receive with meekness the engrafted word. It is able to save your soul, deliver your soul from unbelief, deliver your mind from being unrenewed and corrupt and carnal, deliver your will from, doing, from being selfish and to serve the living God, deliver your emotions from being underneath the sway of the wicked one and bring it underneath the life and the power and the kingdom and the reign of God. The word of God it says in another place in 1 Peter 1 verse 22, has the power to purify your soul, give you a pure heart when it is obeyed. Say, I love the word. No wonder God says in Psalms 107 verse 20 that he sent his word and he healed me and he delivered me from my destruction. 
The word of God has been sent unto you and I. It is the truth to deliver us from lies, from the error, from deception, from wrong emotions. When the devil or the doctor or the medical report says to you, you're sick and it's going to get worse, what do you say? What do you say to these things? If God before me, who can be against me? What do you say to that doctor's report? You say, he bore my sicknesses, he carried my infirmities, and by his stripes I were healed, and I am healed. Furthermore, oh, what are you talking about? It's going to get worse. The same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, he revitalizes my body. The same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, he fixes, he mends, he makes, he quickens, he brings recovery, he brings healing to my body. The life that flows from Christ that law of the spirit of life in Christ dominates me it rules it flows in every joint in every cell and everywhere where the river of that life goes there is health there out of my belly flows rivers of living water it is the streams of the life of the healing power of God that's what you say amen hallelujah hallelujah the same spirit. So no matter what comes your way, be it good, be it bad, be it ugly, you can boldly say, in all these things, I'm what? I'm more than a conqueror. You see, Christianity, like I said, is a great confession. And Christianity is the reality that God dwells in you. That's what makes Christianity different from any religion. When you lose sight and you lose the consciousness that God is in you, then your Christianity is just another religion. Say, God is in me. Hallelujah. And I say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord what? Think about it. Yeah, think about it too, but say it. With the mouth, confession is made unto possession, manifestation. If you shall believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you meditate therein, day and night, so that you can observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Has not the Lord blessed you with every spiritual blessing? Does that not include joy and peace and strength and all of the fruits of the Spirit? Surely he has. But you got to say so. Because you see, it is your right response to the word of God that causes the word of God to be effective and to work in your life. The word is forever settled in heaven. But it takes your right response of believing and speaking and agreeing with it to cause it to be established in earth. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Say, I'm content in God. I am confident that God is not going to mismanage my life. He's not going to mismanage my future. You see, that's what it means when it says godliness with contentment is great gain. That is why Paul can say in Philippians 4, verse 13 and 11, it doesn't matter what state I'm in and what's going on, no matter what it is, whether it be high or low, 
hunger or lack, abundance, doesn't matter. I have learned in whatever state I'm endearing to be content. Why? I can do all things. How? Through Christ that is in me that strengthens me. So see the truth. The truth has authority to cancel any lie. You go to court. In a court case, if someone tells a lie and someone else comes along with a verifiable truth, the lie is thrown out of court, is it not? Why? Because truth has power and authority to cancel the lie, to set you free. Free from what? The lie. The lie of those negative emotions. This, this is how you got to live. This, everybody goes through this. Well, you are not everybody. The scripture says you are not carnal, but you are spiritual. You are not a mere man. Yes, you have a physical body, but you've got divinity living in the midst of your humanity. God in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus prayed and he said, in John 17, 16 and 17, he says, Father, I'm not asking you that you would take them out of the world, but I'm asking you that you would keep them from the evil that is in the world. I'm asking you that you would keep them free from the limitations and the corruption and the negativity and the evil and the negative emotions and the negative ways of thinking. And I'm asking you that you'll keep them away from all of that evil because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So, Father, set them apart. Sanctify them. Set them apart with your truth. That word which is forever settled in heaven. Set them apart with your truth. I am truth. Let me be in their life truth. Let me be the wisdom that you have ordained for them from before the foundation of the world for their glory. Let me the truth. Let the word that is the truth. Let what I have finished that is in the truth. Let it set them apart from the world so that even though they're in the world, they're not going to have its limitations and its corruptions, but they'll be able to live my life, which is full of peace, which is full of joy, which is full of righteousness, which is full of the patience of Christ, which is full of the fruits of the Spirit. Set them apart with the truth. Let their hearts and their minds be purified by the truth. How did Jesus overcome the world? He overcame the world by the sacrifice of himself. How are you going to overcome the world? By the sacrifice. By the application of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension, shed blood, and so on. And so on. (laughs) By that application. And specifically... By the application of his death. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10, he says, look, I always, this is how I live. I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. So that the life of Christ might also be made manifest in my body in this temple. And so Paul would therefore said in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, when they were telling him, hey, you go to Jerusalem, man, they're going to throw you in jail. They're going to tie you up. Man, there is just trouble, trouble, trouble ahead of you, Paul. Do you sure you want to go through that? Paul says, man, stop wearying me with all of that stuff. He says, look here, Acts 20, verse 24. He says, look, none of these things move me. I'm not affected by those things. None of these things move me. 
Because, you know, for one thing, I don't even count my life dear unto myself. I'm crucified. I'm dead. It's not me. It is the life of Christ. I am crucified. I don't count my life dear unto myself. And because of that, I am able to finish my course with joy and complete this ministry and this call that God has on my life to declare his grace, to declare his glory, to declare unto the saints and to all men what is their fellowship and their harmony and their share in this reality and this ministry, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul says, I'm going to finish that with joy. That is the ministry that the Lord has called me to. And the only reason I can finish it with joy is because I do not count my life dear unto myself. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hallelujah. The application of death. I am crucified, it's no longer I, but it is Christ that liveth in me. And by that cross, by that death, I'm dead to the world. The world is dead to me. I'm dead to people. I'm dead to the law. I don't mind trusting in works and, and any of that stuff. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the, name of the Lord. The past is cut off. Regret, what regret? How can you have regret if you obey the word of God that says forget those things which are behind? Don't even give it a thought. How can you have regret if you're forgetting what's be in behind? Whether it be good, whether it be bad. Paul says of even the things that were gained to me, man, look, I count them all but lost, all of them but down, because I am going forward. I got no time to look backwards. I just want to lay a hold of him. I just want to know him, the power of his resurrection. I just want that, that knowledge and that intimacy with his life. Hallelujah. Regret is a very negative emotion. How do you cut it off? Just forget it. Let it go. Loosen it. Hallelujah. So, I, I, I got to close here. So, here, look. Number one, the word of God. Number two, the application of the sacrifice of Christ, death, which, is the, which, is the, which has the authority to free you. Free you from the natural life and its effects and free you from negative emotions. We're going to pick up some more on that. And then number three. Let the life of Christ himself be your life. Function out of that life. Function out of that life. As you function out of the life of Christ. You see, you see when I recognize that I'm dead, dead men don't respond. I mean, dead men don't react. Dead men don't react. Dead men, I mean, you can, you can, you can stick them with a pin. I mean, you can insult them. They're not trying to impress you. You can say whatever manner against them. You can betray them. All those things are anything that can affect self is gone. It doesn't exist because there ain't no self. Amen? When you have the Bible said present his body a living sacrifice. When you have a sacrifice and you put it on the altar and somebody, you come, you kill that sacrifice, you kill it, and then you put it on the altar. And then you burn it up so, that it, so it just becomes ashes. And the Bible says you are to present yourself like a living sacrifice. The thing is, with the sacrifice of a bull or a goat, somebody is putting it on the altar. But you got to put yourself on the altar. And you're still alive, but you need to reckon yourself dead. That which is dead has no life. Isn't that right? And if it has no life, there is no will. There is no 
I mean, you don't have you, no will, no purpose, no, 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 no. Um, I, I mean, th there is no ambition. There is no lust. There is nothing. And so there, there is no you, so there is no reactions. And all you do now is through the gateway of that death comes the life of Christ. If you die with him, you also live with him. And then here comes the life of Christ, and all of your existence now is from the life of Christ because all things have passed away. All things have become new. All things are now of God. And uh, you are being crucified. It's no longer you, but it's Christ that lived in you. The life you live is the life of Christ. So everything you do, everything you say, every, everything, there is no, it's just a response from the life. 